0: Hey, everybody, we'd like to give a special shout out to our podcast sponsor, Getter Scents and Lures. Like Hunt, Lift, Eat, Getter Scents is a veteran owned and operated company with a personal touch. Gerard, their owner, is a former Marine and firefighter who will walk you step by step through the buying process with a personal touch. I reached out to him and he gave me his personal cell phone number and walked me through his products and the buying experience could not have been more efficient. My favorite product of his is the Hot to Trot Dough and Heat scent, and I use it religiously through the rut with consistent results. Many of our Hunt Lift Eat team members are loyal customers of Getter, Sense and Lures, and we use his products year after year to help them execute in the field. Follow them on their Instagram at RatgetterSense 2.0 and check out their products at RackGetterSense.net to start luring in your next big buck. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lift Eat Podcast. Brought to you by Hunt Lift Eat Official. And we're here with the crew, the smiling faces. we, we got the boys tonight. We got Luke Cox. He's back. He's back, people. Everybody relax. He's back. What's up, man?
1: It's good to be back, man. This is my first time jumping on, not catching up. We actually got, I don't know if we can call these guys guests. They've been on the podcast more in the past year than I have. But, um, you know, it's it's great to be back kind of in the host seat and running it. We got Gabe and Tyler today. We're going to talk about all the fucking animals they killed last year.
0: Hell yeah. And also, this is your podcast, which is pretty wild that you've were away for so long and now you're back steering the ship.
1: I feel like I'm a guest on your podcast at this point. No no
0: no no no, no. <laughs> I I will never feel like that. I will never feel like that. This is your podcast. I'm just here dude. I'm just sitting in this chair talking to folks. That's my only job. Alright. Gabe Martinez. Tyler Big Sky Elk Slayer Jensen. What's going on, fellas? <laughs> what up, up dude fellas? All right. You guys had a hell of a fall. Both of you. I'd
2: say so. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good season.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a fucking phenomenal season. You guys had like an annoyingly fantastic season.
2: It's kind of how it works though. It's just lucky. I, I think it's most like 90% luck and then 10% like preparation and, and knowing what you're doing. If I'm yeah. being honest.
0: Before we jump in any specifics, Tyler, tell folks where you're
2: at again. I am in Western Montana. Yeah, so I live down in the Bitterroot Valley in Montana.
0: Western Montana. And
3: Gabe, where are you at?: I'm over here in Southern Wyoming. I live in Cheyenne, Wyoming.
0: The big city. The windy city of Cheyenne. The windy City. Windy. <laughs> place is awful. <laughs> And Luke, where were you this past hunting season?
1: Oh man, I was in uh in Bulgaria. Uh kind of all over Europe, but spent most of my time during the season in Bulgaria. I got to see a lot of animals, didn't do any hunting though. Saw some fallow deer, listened to red deer absolutely roar, which is wild. Uh, really really cool to they don't sound anything like elk. They look a lot like elk. Um, I think that are my favorite cervid, though, after seeing them up close and personal and, like, really want to go to Europe and, and kill a red deer.
0: After you showed me that deadhead um, or the the shed antlers that you brought home, that that's, like, the coolest looking antlers I've ever seen. The dark chocolate and, like, the huge mass on them. Those things are freaking gnarly.
1: Yeah, man, that was unreal. This is probably not remotely legal, but I don't really care. So <laughs> we were in Germany training and we were in this training area and found this deadhead that was just gorgeous um very very mature red deer and like i mean trophy caliber like when you see like the mounts at like these expos from folks coming up from like new zealand like this is this is what you want they know that that's what they want them to look like and that's what it was and it was in perfect condition i never found one that the antlers were still so dark and the skull was so clean uh unfortunately to get it back i had to get creative and so there was no way i could leave it on the skull so i had to saw them off and toss the skull and bring the antlers back but i'm gonna try to get a 3d replica of a red deer skull and then mount them back up but i mean yeah it was pretty pretty wild i didn't even know they got that big um they're very they're it looks similar to elk but there's definitely a lot of differences they'll do this like crown like the real mature ones at the top of their antlers and it looks like a like a cluster like a
0: medieval mace
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's super cool, man. It only happens on those mature ones, and it's they're they're fucking crazy.
0: Yeah, that was fucking sweet. I'm super jealous. We need to take a we need to take a road trip over there and go find one.
1: Definitely on the bucket list. And like in Eastern Europe, it's it's far more affordable than you might think. Germany is pretty fucking expensive, and it's a pain in the ass to hunt. But like Bulgaria, Romania, Slovakia, I was looking at hunts. I've been doing a, a bunch of research on it, um, found several places to go. It's not like you're not doing any like, you know, public land DIY You're going out to these big operations. And the European model of hunting is far different than ours, but I think it would definitely be cool. And there's a really cool tradition that goes with the European hunting. And I mean, you know, like the you see it on like MeatEater when like Giannis puts the the grass in the deer's mouth, you know, when he kills one, like that's huge over there. They all do. that. that shit. And like in Germany, it's even more traditional, the whole Jaeger thing. They've got like this traditional garb that they'll wear and they have got through all these customs and traditions around it. And there's like all these courtesies you have to learn. If you're going to hunt in Germany, it's like a six month course Holy that you've got to go. Get- yeah, it's wild. And then the whole, the gun laws are even more wild. Um and you've got to belong to these, uh, hunting clubs essentially to be able to own the gun. And those things can cost like hundred thousand dollars a year or something. Oh as well.
2: my god! Yeah. So we are not going to Germany. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> not a poor man's game. <laughs> so
1: I think I think Scotland would be really doable. Uh, Eastern Europe definitely, and like the great thing about Eastern Europe is once you're over there, it's fucking dirt cheap to get around, food, booze, lodging, like everything's cheap. So just so Bulgaria is definitely uh, a cool. Cool country for that because you've got some, like, I think the world record red deer came out of Bulgaria. There's massive red deer killed there every year. Uh, great mouflon hunting. Um, they've got chamois. Uh, what else they got? Fallow deer. Of course, they've got roebucks. You go fishing in the Black Sea. So, they're, like, Bulgaria's are really cool. Uh, there's great trout fishing. Fly fishing there is, like, unbelievable. Bulgaria is kind of a sportsman's paradise as far as countries go sounds like
0: all a damn right. good time eastern europe it is
1: i need a break though i don't want to go back for a year or two <laughs>
0: that's fair every day we talked you're like i need to get the fuck out of this place
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i had the opportunity to do some pretty kick-ass traveling that's why i actually didn't hunt was because i got to travel more than i expected so i took advantage of the travel opportunities and spent that money there instead of blowing it all on the hunt but It was was definitely cool. I've seen most of Eastern Europe, Scotland, Wales, England. Got to go to a lot of countries. But, yeah, I'm definitely glad to be back in the the U.S. and I don't plan on leaving for a while. Well,
0: unfortunately, you missed out on a hell of a hunting season that the HLE team had. Not by myself. I mean, I'm like King Forky over here. But I got to hang out with Tyler, (laughs) and he got to drag my hungover ass all over the mountains of – Montana. Shooter shoot forkies, dog.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can't it's eat the, the forkies.
0: That's right, dude. You can't eat the Yeah, homies.
2: but you can stir the chili with them, all right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be a small bowl of chili for me, buddy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but
0: yeah, this is like kind of a continuation of our series of success in the field where we have folks on here and talk about their successful hunts they've had and Tyler and Gabe, y'all had some fantastic ones and we want to hear about it. We want to hear all about them. Gabe, you want to kick us off with that, uh, that archery, uh, yeah. Run in you had. Yes, sir. So, uh,
3: what was it? September 2nd, I believe I went out. It was, a. I don't even remember what day September 1st was, but I worked that day, went to elk camp, dropped my camper off and, uh, Went out for an evening hunt and sat up on the ridge line. And right off the bat, I spotted a bachelor group of bucks, and it got me so pumped. I called Carter right away, facetimed him. Do you remember when I called you? I
0: do, yeah.
3: I uh, you, call, you
0: called me a couple times this season, uh, high highs and some low lows,
3: yeah, yeah. But I called Carter, showed him them bucks, and uh, sat there and watched them for a little while till it got dark. and. My buddies pulled into camp, and I could see their headlights, so I boogied on down to camp, and I told them there's some there's some good bucks that we can go after in the morning if you guys are down, so we made a game plan for the morning, went back the next day, never seen those bucks again, so it's like, fuck man, it was like I wanted to go make a stock on them just to see if I could get close, you know because it was still the beginning of season anyway. <sighs> i uh was just sitting there glassing for a while, not seeing shit for a couple hours actually, and then finally my buddy Edward said, I think I see an elk's ass sticking out of the tree, so I pulled out the spotter and uh right off the bat, I could just see that elk feeding it was a I think it was a raghorn, just like a little three by four and I was, like, well, that's a good sign. I said, we can either one of you guys can go after him or we can just sit here and watch and see what's going on around the valley and uh they agreed to just sit there and look around for a while. So about another hour or two goes by and it's fucking hot, man. It's September 2nd. It was like 90 degrees outside. And uh, we're sitting there baking in the sun and I'm looking at this uh, pine tree in front of us. I was like, man, that tree looks funny as hell. I'm just st- sitting there looking at it and uh I could just see like a faint rat. It was kind of hard to tell. So I just kept looking at it for a while, staring, staring, staring. And then finally I see my bull's ear flicker. I was like, that is a big bull. I said, I'm going to go after that guy. So I told the guys, you guys stay up here. I'm going to go down, cut his wind, and I'm going to see if I can go in for the kill. So I get down there and uh, I make my hike in. And by this time, it's like 1130. Sun, like I said, the sun was beating down on us. But I kicked off my shoes, dropped my pack, and I started hiking in closer towards him. And right as I popped over this ridge line, I just seen another giant bull staring at me in the face. Well, I, I backed out, went a little higher, and cut in some more, and got the trees between me and him. And finally, I see my bull sitting there behind that tree, just a freaking wreck. That uh, my heart was pumping like crazy, man. <laughs> but I'm sitting there, was watching. he bedded? Was he yeah. bedded or standing? Yeah. He's bedded down. I could see him, and then as soon as I got closer, there were three other bulls bedded all around him. So I sat there for a second, and I was like, "Damn, I need to make a game plan." So I sat on my knees for a little while. I wanted him to stand up because he was bedded facing the other way, and he needed to stand up and turn broadside so I'd have a shot. So I sat there. For a little while and i had service and i called my buddy edward i said hey man i need you to cow call or something see if you can get this bull to stand up well he starts bugling across the valley and cow calls and right off the bat some of them little raghorns beneath me started letting off tiny little just raspy bugles and then just out of nowhere my bull just chuckles out of his bed and that sound just freaking went through my body and my heart was racing like <laughs> so bad But anyway, I'm sitting there forever just staring at him because he was too lazy to get up. Like I said, it was hot. So by this time, I was about 43 yards away. And I'm still sitting there watching him. And uh, I feel that wind switch. And it hits my neck. And I thought, oh, fuck, it's over. Because all those bulls are sitting there looking towards me. Well, next thing you know, I see one bull stand up. And he's freaking locked on to me. And it felt like he was staring at me for like 15 minutes, but it only had to have been like four minutes. Anyway, he uh, keeps staring at me. And then out of the blue, I see this other bull stand up next to him. And he starts walking towards them all funky. And I was like, they're going to blow out of here. Well, that bull, the second bull that stood up, put his head down and the other bull put his head down and they started sparring. I was like, Oh, thank God, man. I was like, they're going to be gone, but anyway, they start sparring, and it gets my bull's attention, and he stands up, and he shakes himself off, reaches back, itches his ass with his horn, and uh, by this time, I had an arrow knocked, and uh, as soon as he turned broadside, I stood up and ranged him and squatted back down, and it was 42, so I dialed my sight to 42, which I shouldn't have. I just should have used my 40-yard pin, but as soon as he turned broadside I st- drew my bow and stood back up and he gave me a perfect broadside shot and I just sent one at him and wh- <laughs> it smoked him and he just took off and I didn't see him again I was like holy shit I called my friends I was like where did he go where did he go they're like we lost him in the trees I was like damn it I was like you guys get over here and we'll make a plan and we'll wait for a little while well they make their way down and come across up and come up to me and I'm talking to him like you guys really didn't see him. You guys were just fucking lollygagging up there, didn't even see where my bull went. You're like, Oh man, he just went in the trees, he's over here. I was like, Well, let's give him some time. Well, we gave him about an hour and I start tracking his blood and we didn't find him for probably a half an hour, which we walked past him three times. My buddy said, hey, This tree looks familiar where he ran through. I was like well let's go check over there and sure enough he's all piled up there and I could just see my arrow sticking out of him and that was the best feeling I've ever felt in the world
0: (laughs) was that your biggest uh bull
3: yeah uh biggest and that was my second ever archery elk.
0: that's freaking awesome man
3: First elk I killed with a bow, I killed at 65 yards, but he was a dumb little raghorn, he just stood there.
0: <laughs> now, what's the rule? What do y'all do for elk as far as after you shoot them, how long do you typically wait cuz I've started waiting at least a half hour cuz of Luke actually. You're the, you're the one who gets convinced me to, you know, minimum wait 30 minutes before I even get out of the stand, Luke. Yeah. What do you guys do? What do you guys do for elk? It just depends on where you hit him. I mean, if you see
3: that it's a very good shot, then you could give it half hour, forty five minutes. But if it's a little back or something, I'd wait about two hours, maybe even back out and go the next day. But I seen that there, yeah. thinking him, and I just knew he was dead.
2: Yeah, it's all weather dependent too. Like. What sucks is that if you if you know when you made a good shot, like you know that feeling and you watch your arrow hit right behind that that triangle of that shoulder and you're like, got him, you know. So you can go half hour. I feel pretty confident, even like 15 minutes. But if it's, you know, if it's not a great shot, then you just start creeping in. I, I believe you start creeping in, you know, if it's like 90 degrees out. Early September here is tough, like in Montana. Ooh. Up in the mountains, it'll be – at night it'll be cold, you know, like – I think opener this year, it was like down by the river bottom was, was almost like 30 degrees. And then once you got up, it was like a 20 degree difference, but that's where all the elk were hanging. So we just knew that like, Oh, if we pinwheel one, like mid afternoon, it was like 95 degrees. So it's like, if we pin one, pin one in the morning, like we got to do something to try to figure out either where they're going afternoon, because even if you don't find, or if you do find them, like the process of, Taking one down, bagging them up and getting them in bags and then getting them out of the mountains into coolers. It's a long freaking process. So you yeah. got to think like, dude, I've got this 95 degree air just spoiling this meat. So it's like a it's a it's a race against the clock. Yeah, when we found
3: my bull, he was there were flies all over him already. So as soon as we found him, we freaking took a couple pictures, and I just started getting to work because I knew we had to get him out of there or else we were gonna lose some meat.
0: Because everybody talks about, all right, you gotta get the guts out as fast as possible, and then everybody talks about like the ball joints, right, and the back hams, like that's where the meat spoilage is gonna start. How like how serious is that when we're in in that weather? Like, what kind of window do you have?
2: I would say like the biggest portion, honestly, like yeah, like the, the the ball joints in the back, but dude, the neck holds so much heat. Like you gotta open that neck up too. Like my biggest thing is like get the hide off, get some air circulating. Like the biggest thing is just get air circulation on it. Like if you have a, a quarter, rip that off real quick, hang it in a tree in some shade. Like, yeah, it's not ideal, but it's better than like sitting in a blanket on the ground like just get it up and off as fast as possible <clears throat> i don't i don't think there's really i don't know the exact time like i'm not saying like oh you need 30 because there's i mean it takes longer than 30 minutes to cut up a bull but yeah. like the biggest thing is just to like get it open and get airflow into it because i've seen like even on the bull that i shot like and it was cold out i didn't get to the neck till later and like when i cut his neck open like it was steaming hot like really warm and it was 17 degrees out. So I was like, damn.
1: I think in 2023 though, like we really, really over, I don't know if the, let's try to word this correctly. <clears throat> we tend to think meat is spoiled quicker than it actually is. Like a little bit of like a foul smell does not mean that it meat's bad. Like in other countries, they eat shit that like we would never in America want to eat yeah. and it's fine. Like I've eaten pig that was like sat out a questionable amount of time, but like if you're <laughs> cooking at the two Oh five and you're smoking those shoulders, it's fucking fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we just, we tend to, I mean, you're hundred percent, right. But I, I you know, it's, it is racing against the clock and as quickly as possible. But I also mm-hmm. think we are so fast to just toss meat at the first sign of like, you know, a little bit of a sour smell. And I don't think that's the case at all. Like we can, I've eaten some really questionable meat, and I've been fine. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, like, when I was in Afghanistan, I ate some fucking really questionable meat, so I'm <laughs> entirely, you know, that life. Like, I didn't get dysentery twice, but.
2: <laughs> yeah, I got that twice. It was a sick, gross experience. <laughs> <laughs> so my neighbor is from the Czech, so, like you're saying, Luke, like, you're like the way he cooks things and I've never had anything from him where I've questioned like, oh man, like that didn't taste good. Like he'll, he'll marinate things for like three to four weeks. And I'm like, geez, you know, and then I'll look at it. He'll just cook it up. And I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. And he's like, his thing is, is like, if you marinate it and salt it, like cure it kind of, he's like, dude, it'll last forever. Essentially. Like it's, it's breaking itself down. It's tenderizing. A lot of guys dry age their meat anyways. So it's like you're doing that, but also in the process marinating it, and you're not losing meat.
1: yeah, hundred percent. And that's you know that was something you see the markets out in Europe that just open air, warm, but then I mean it's like raw meat, but they've got it salted or whatever, and it's fine. And some of it, I don't think is salted, to be honest, but <laughs> I don't know.
2: I'll try anything twice.
1: <laughs> you know, I think there's, there's definitely a point to that too, and like flies, are even like another thing, right? Because then they start, you get maggots and all that shit, which obviously is not not ideal. But yeah, I do think we're we're a little too quick and we're a little too paranoid. Um, just fucking eat it, like <clears throat> cook it, cook it a little bit more well done, like.
2: Yeah, I agree. Luke, like we shot funny,
0: questionable South Georgia pigs, so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Ooh. definitely. And Texas pigs that are questionable. I've eaten a lot of. Yeah. They start getting like yeasty smelling. Ooh,
2: yeah. I
0: don't know.
1: <laughs> Just soak them in or uh, nice water and fucking throw them in the freezer and put a good rub on them, and you won't know the difference. Enough barbecue sauce, <laughs> they <to> taste fine.
2: <laughs> if you drink enough
1: beer, anything starts to feel good. So that's right.
0: That's right. <laughs> Gabe, for someone who's like maybe going, we got a couple people I know who are going elk hunting for the first time, archery elk hunting for the first time um, this next fall, this next September. What do you think, like what are a couple of the keys to being successful with uh, a bow in your hand chasing elk?
3: One, learn to call. You need to know what the elk are saying. I mean, I think I've heard a few people say that, but you need to know just what they're saying. And then number two, know how to... That's a good question. I guess know how to watch your wind. I mean, when you're sneaking in on animals, you want to get your wind right. I mean, when they're bugling and stuff, when they're in the rut, it's a whole different story because you can call them in. But like this year, I, I was just spot and stalking with my elk you know and then just keep shooting that bow get good with your bow before you go out because you don't want to be wounding animals
0: especially in that heat right
3: yep
1: what's your process you're talking about you know fucking he come up he came up he was chuckling and like you're just start redlining immediately with that heart rate. Do you have like steps that you do to try to get your heart rate back down? Do you have a process for that? Or is it just like you're just shooting through it, trying to fucking time it right? (laughs) What's (laughs) what's your kind of deal with that?
3: Well, when he chuckled, that was like 15 minutes before I shot him. So after sitting there and watching him for so long, I mean, my adrenaline just shut off. I was sitting there in the heat. I was like, I'm going to kill this bastard. I'm sick of sitting in this heat. (laughs) But when he stood up, it was like go mode. I, I just drew my bow back and just thought of shooting at a target, man. I just held my pin right there and just squeezed through.
1: Hell, yeah. Mean? I mean, that, that, it depends. I mean, I've, I've only killed a few animals with a bow and not a big fucking giant bull elk. So if, if uh, Gabe gets me on one this year, I'll tell you. But, I mean, with other animals, I've been absolutely like a doe – White-tailed doe, just been absolutely jacked. Like, it was the biggest buck in the world. And then the last one I killed, I didn't feel anything. So, like, you know, if, if I do find myself in a situation where my heart rate's super high, like, I just try to take that second, really focus on my breathing, like, in through my nose. Like, de- like it's kind of like getting to, like, that cold plunge, right? And you get that shock. You got to regulate your breathing. Get that yeah. down. Try to just make sure you're not fucking redlining and regulate it as much. And then from there, it is. It's just um, – Repetition of muscle memory, you know, and then focus on that small point of the target. Don't look at the animal and just, just like shooting a three D target.
3: I was gonna say when I first started bow hunting, I'd have bad adrenaline rushes when I'd have animals come in, and I think the more encounters you have as you go on through your hunting seasons, I mean, the more you'll start to calm down when that, when it's gonna happen. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, the situation, I don't know. dude. Because, like, I don't know. I've had typewriter legs so fucking bad, like sitting in a tree stand where my legs just going, you know, just <laughs> total adrenaline dump over like the smallest dough on the planet. And it's just like, I don't know. It's wild.
2: I get so excited. Like, I, I don't know what it is. And I hope it never ends because it's like my passion for the outdoors. But I get just as excited for like a muley dough or a whitetail dough as I do like a bugling bull or a nice buck, like I obviously notice that like, okay, I'm about to kill this thing. But for some reason, like I just get so amped at like the opportunity. And what I do is I just start breathing like really heavy to calm myself down, like take these huge breaths in and then like slowly breathe. Like that's how I regulate mine. So like when I'm about to take the shot. Yeah, I'm pretty calm. Like obviously your heart rate is still higher, but every time, like if I know I got a doe tag in my pocket, or, like, a cow tag or whatever it is, if I see something that I'm capable to shoot, like, stalking in, I just become, like, a little schoolgirl. Like, I'm so pumped. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, fuck. We're about, we're about to make this happen. So, uh, But, like, my thing is just, like, breathing in really heavy, like, as deep as you can go, and then, like, slowly letting it out and, like, just kind of getting your mind off the actual animal that's in front of you. That seemed to help me quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I do, like – the square breathing or like four by four breathing like four seconds in and four seconds out and counting those seconds helps me like when I shot my axis I like looked down the scope when I had him in sight and I was so jacked I was like all right you need to take take a second and I did that breathing for probably close to a minute um, and then kind of relaxed and then settled in and, and then it was all good and you know, the other thing that's helpful is when you have somebody with you, like when Tyler helped me kill that Forky, I was getting frustrated as I tend to do very easily. And you did a really good job kind of talking me off the ledge and talking me onto that deer by you staying super calm and being like, like I was like, where the fuck is it? Where is it? Where is it? And uh, I just had all this, I had this built up pressure. Cause I was like, about to miss my fucking flight which i did anyways but you were like calm the whole time and like talked me onto it you, i mean we probably restarted 10 times talking me onto where this deer was and you were like it's right there it's right there he's not going anywhere and i was like i'm gonna miss it i'm gonna blow it and you kind of helped bring that adrenaline down to a manageable level
2: i think that's a good take off of like what gabe said just like experience like i Obviously I saw the buck first and to talk somebody like to talk somebody on to an animal that you see from like, I mean, I you were right behind me. So technically like if he was out in the open, yeah, he's standing right there. But like I had just seen him pick his head up. So by the time that I was like, he's right there, he wasn't moving. So I saw that movement and I was like, okay. And then he put his head back down. I was like, Oh, he don't give a fuck that we're here. So I was just slowly trying to like, There was really nothing for me to be like, oh, up this, you know, I kind of made it like up the tree and like third branch to the left. Like he's, it was a pain because there was nothing to, he was kind of in the open, but he was in some like swell brush. It was a, it was a nightmare, but I just knew like from that, that deer's body language because he saw me, he for sure saw something up by us, whether it was me or like, maybe he just like saw movement. Like I saw movement, but he picked his head up, looked at us. That's when I dropped down. And then he just went right back to feeding. And I was like, all right, he doesn't really care that we're here. So like we have a little bit of opportunity to make a little like mistakes. So me talking you onto that buck, I was like not super pressured because like he wasn't like staring right at us and he wasn't like trying to figure out what we were. He was still going about his business feeding. So I was like, all right, I need to take a step back, really think about how I'm going to explain to Carter how I'm going to get him onto this buck And then we did, and it was a sigh of relief, and you made a great shot and dumped him, and it was good from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, your buddies, you know, you were asking your buddies, Gabe, like, hey, where did he he go? Like, from their point of view, what can they see that, you know, you couldn't see? Yeah. Um, That's always really helpful, too. Mm -hmm.
3: And usually I hunt by myself, so I never have anyone around, so it's always good having a buddy, like you said.
0: That's how Luke likes to hunt
1: too. I like both, it just has to be the right situation.
0: <laughs> well, I was I mean, jacked when you uh when you FaceTimed me and you had that's when you sent that picture of that <laughs> bull man all piled up with the arrow sticking out of him. I was I was so jacked for you. That was the best. That's the
3: one of the best feelings in the world, man, is to walk up on a dead animal like that. Just to know all the practice and persistence will just pay off.
2: I think when I saw your picture on Instagram, I was my reaction was like, oh shit, let's go. Like I I have a I was talking to my neighbor about this the other day too, not to like go too far off what we're talking about, but I think the industry in general has gone from like when anybody that I know or anybody that like I maybe follow on Instagram or whatever, like shoot something that's mature or even like a doe or whatever, like I'm excited for them, like awesome, you killed something that's sick. But I feel like a lot of people are like jealous of that, and they're like, "Oh, well, he doesn't deserve that caliber of animal," or he, you know, because like the bull I shot this year was a, a beautiful bull. That's my second bull ever. Like, I've only lived in Montana for six six years now. So like, you get these guys who've hunted Montana for thirty years. I've only killed rags, and it's like, yeah, I got I killed a nice bull, but. You weren't hunting that area anyway, so why are you jealous? You know, it's just yeah. – I just think the industry is going into, like, being upset with people shooting these – or or jealous of people shooting big animals instead of just, like, hyping everybody up, being like, that's sick, awesome. You know, it's – it's that's my perception of it, and it makes me sad that it has gone that way. Yeah, you're 100% right. I've gotten a lot of hate for killing my bull, but
3: it ain't nothing. <laughs>
1: I think that's just a lot of it's a symptom of social media, too, because, you know, you get that. You know, when we were like younger, you'd looked in all the magazines and everything that would, you know, for us, it was all white tails, but you would see these big, giant Kansas bucks or whatever is what we grew up looking at. And you're you're excited and you're looking at it it's like the dream. <clears throat> but then when you're just constantly just getting these massive deer that you're seeing or, or elk or whatever that you're seeing through your social media feed, some people just fucking don't know how to handle it and don't look at that like a badass thing and they look at it like a like a negative and it's you know they gotta they have their own insecurities and they're gonna you know project that out. It's I was Andy Frisella I was just heard a thing that he was talking about. He was like you know like winners don't ever fucking go talk shit to losers. You know winners don't talk shit to other winners, right? It's just losers out there doing it. And that's what it is. It's just it's guys that either don't they're not putting in the work, they're not taking the time. Like guys that put in the work see somebody else have the success and it's like, you look at that as like, okay, so they're out there. There are some big animals out there. Like I'm going to continue to go through my process and get there, you know, instead of sitting there and just making it all about he didn't deserve that or he's fucking full of shit or whatever. And, like, and there is an aspect of that in the industry. And that's something that's really frustrating is when people like misrepresent what they're doing. And you know, we were kind of talking about that on the front side of this podcast or before we hit record was there's this idea that like every hunt, out West is some like crazy backpack hunt where you're fucking 16 miles back in the back country and you're doing 15 trips to the truck. And, you know, you're, you're just doing this crazy exotic adventure hunt. And it's just, that's not really the reality. Like you can do that type of hunt, but most of these guys aren't. And there's some street cred that comes from that and guys will misrepresent it. And I think that that uh, it gives folks from the East, like they come out and they have this weird, Folks, I'm one of those folks from the east, by the way. I just live here, but like you know, you you come out and you think everything's got to be like this, and it doesn't at all.
2: Yeah, the hunt never plays out picture perfect, like it never does. I mean, like, I live out here now, and as a kid, I always imagined, like, oh, I'm gonna see this bull, and he's gonna be it's gonna be like picture perfect coming through these trees, and then he's gonna turn sideways, he's gonna bugle, and I'm gonna smoke him. Like, it doesn't. The 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 probability of a picture perfect like movie elk hunt is probably not gonna happen. For the most part it's gonna be a fucking shit show, disaster, chaos everywhere, you're not gonna know what to do because every book that you read was like, Oh well they do this, do that, and then you do that and they're like, Well they fucking took off or whatever, like I just think that it's, like, all about the moment, and if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, just be happy that, like, dude, you got into bow range of a wild animal that's being chased by bears, wolves, 9,000 other hunters. Like, to to kill one is, like, yeah, that's awesome, and that's why we're out here. But just to have the opportunity to, like, get close by an animal that's – you're in their house. You're living where they live, and they know the area better than they do. Or you're living in an area – that they know better than you do. Like just take those small W's like, fuck dude, we were close today. Like, yeah, it's frustrating. You're like, fuck, we could have had them, but like you didn't. So it's like, okay, new game plan tomorrow, get up, work something else out. If it works out, it works out. Great. If not, fuck, there's another day.
3: Yeah, man, if this shit was easy, everyone would be doing it.
0: Well, and it wouldn't be as rewarding. It wouldn't be fun, man. I wouldn't be traveling across the country you know every see saving dollars to go do this if it was a guaranteed you know slam dunk every single time
2: maybe i would yeah. i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i think it's, it's, but it's just like what sucks is that like i love social media cuz like i love seeing like all the boys like killing stuff i'm like that's sick dude and like but then you get like the bad part of social media where everybody's like jealous or upset that like people are killing these big bulls and they're envious. And so like the trolls come out and you're just like, dude, do you not have anything better to do than do this right now? It's like, God, it's just, it's frustrating, but it's what we live with. And so I just go out and chase animals. And I'd say 90, I'll say 80% of like every animal I've tried to hunt or pulled my bow back on. I haven't shot. Like, it's only been a small percentage. Like, I've been close to so many animals, and it just didn't work out. Whether it was wind blew me, or they just didn't come through the opening, or I busted them 600 yards out. Like, that's hunting, dude. That's the whole point is to, like, really fine-tune your skills of, like, trying to be the apex predator and getting close. But I'm not the best stalker of all time. Like, I just got lucky. Maybe that buck looked left when I made a small movement, and he didn't see me. And in another world, he would have looked right and pegged me and you would have been out of there. Like, it's just, I think it's mostly just opportunity. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen.
1: Hey, y'all, I'm going to take a second to give a quick shout out to the official mortgage lender of the Hunt with Deep podcast. That's Casey Burns of Prime Lending Mortgage. I've known Casey for 10 years and he's the only lender I use. I've used Casey to purchase two houses and the process has been seamless and easy each time. He's the heart of an educator and he truly cares about what's best for his clients. He specializes in VA loans, but can handle FHA, conventional and investment loans as well. He's a true expert and specialist in his field, and there's no one I recommend more than Casey. You can contact Casey at casey.burns at primelending.com, reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at www.closewithcasey.com. Thanks, y'all.
0: You know what else is fucking crazy is like, and Luke and I have talked about this a couple times and he's pointed this out to me as this has transpired over the last year journey with HLE is like uh, when he's posted the picture of your bull and your bull, Gabe Tyler and, and Gabe's bulls uh, it doesn't get the reach that a meme, like a, a silly meme gets uh, from, you know, with a, you know, a still shot from Jeremiah Johnson uh, whereas I'm like everybody in on the face of the planet needs to see the size of Tyler's bowl or like everybody and their mother needs to see Gabe's piled up archery bull. And, uh, it's just wild to me, you know, the reception that some of these, what I think everybody should be like seeing and being like hyped up about and being like, yeah, it's like, congratulations. It just doesn't get the reach, which is probably a testament to the, to the platform. Yeah. I would say. Right.
1: I think it's partially the platform, but I also think it is like the saturation of big animals on social media because it's just what people share. Um, and there is folks out there misrepresenting what they're doing. And, you know, a lot of these brands in the industry are full of shit. And the more I get plugged into the industry, the more I go to these expos and talk to people and see people and meet people, the more I'm just like, man, <laughs> there is a lot of bullshit. <laughs> uh it, you know, i'm sure it's in every industry but it is really bad in the hunting one uh and you know that's something we're not about we're all about as carter always likes to say authenticity and you know, that's kind of our our brand here and uh i'll be the first to talk about all the fuck-ups that i've had i had you know two seasons ago i had a you know almost the best season on the planet and it ended up being one dead white-tailed doe was the end of the you know season i had crazy close encounters with some wild animals <clears throat> and uh it's just how it goes. That's fucking hunting, like we talked about. But there's folks out there that they'll have one of those shit seasons, and then they still feel like they got to go get something on the board, and they'll go pay a lot of money to go kill something, which is fine. But then there's a misrepresentation of what that real story was, or or whatever, and so that's what you see a lot of that, and uh, and so people do see, you know, it's, oh, there's another big bull, and it just it gets lost in the fucking the feed of all this stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Talking about real stories, Tyler, jump jump us off, dude. Which one do you want to start with?
2: Well, we can start with the bison. Um, I had the opportunity this year. I used to – I still kind of do, but I used to, like, uh, mentor vets uh, through, like, BHA and BRCC, uh, basically take veterans out who have never hunted before, never hunted Western uh, states, or just, like – didn't even have to be like, Oh, Montana, but like I met this gentleman at one of the first ever, like, um, deer camps we did for BHA and he's a Lakota native. And so we became pretty good friends. And like, he is, uh, so on the reservation, they have their own specific, uh, like bison draw. So like here in Montana, you can like put in with your normal tags and, hopefully get drawn for like the yellowstone bison or um, if you're lucky enough like you can like have a friend and like they've killed plenty of bison so they were like do you want to come up and be the shooter like you get the hide and the skull and like we'll give you some meat but like the meat goes to like the family that's that has the tag so i was like yeah i'd love to do that so we did it a year prior with my buddy jim it was a really cool experience um just those animals are massive. And so this year he calls me, he's like, Hey, it's your turn. Like if you're up for it, like you're more than welcome to come up. And it was, it was good to like go see their family too. Like it's, it's cool how like hunting trips or like the passion that we do can really, you can find some really cool people, like people that you just, I can't wait to go see them next year, you know, and they live from me like nine hours away, but I'm willing to make that trip. Uh, So we go out and like, basically like it's not, I would say most bison hunts these, like these days are not, what you think it is like any YouTube video you see of like, Oh, wild bison. I think Randy Newberg did a video too. And he was like, he had a bunch of bulls standing in front of him. And then there's like leaf peepers for bison standing next to him, you know? So it's not like spot and stock is as crazy as it sounds. So basically I went up there and we found some bulls and, uh, like the game warden that's on the reservation tells you which one to shoot. So I shoot this bison, um, And he goes right down and it was like, I think it was negative 20 when I shot him, like it was cold and it was windy. And so we get up to it and kind of like what you were saying earlier, like the German uh, nationals doing like their own specific thing for hunting. They, one of the guys like handed me like, uh, like pipe tobacco and basically like you just like rub it on the animal. And I guess that's some sort of um, like respect deal. But it was, it was pretty cool. You know, you don't realize how big they are until you get to put your hands on them. And it took me everything in my body to just prop his head up for a picture. And like, yes, it's freezing cold and I'm not having a good time. Like I'm having a great time, but it's like, fuck dude, this is miserable. But to just put your hands on an animal that big and majestic, you know, cause when you think of like the American West, you think of like Bison, you know, they used to roam the ranges for hundreds and thousands of miles, and so now they're kind of stuck in these little areas. But to to shoot one and just see how majestic they are, and like a big mature bull, it sh- it's just a weird it's a weird feeling. Being like, okay, like I did it. I don't know if I could do it again. Like it's just because I res- I don't know if it's like if I respect the animal so much or or what the deal is. But seeing an animal that big and majestic, you kind of feel bad in a way for taking its life just because he is. Like he survived for so long, but, uh, yeah, that was the bison hunt. So that was cool. Um, but then I, I, went and, uh, I shot my personal best bull this year and I say personal best cause I've only shot two, but I knew it was like the third November. It was the first week in November and we hadn't really got a lot of snow in the hunting area that I normally hunt. And I was looking at the forecast in the area that I normally hunt, the town, it was said raining, but I knew once I got up to like the elevation I wanted to hunt, I was like, there's going to be fresh snow and that area. I was like, if as long as I find a track, I have a cow tag and I have a bull tag, like I'm legal to shoot whatever elk I see. So that's going to be my best opportunity. So I get to the, the gate. I, am, I mean, I drove that morning. I think I got up at three, drove two and a half hours to the spot and I get there and there's a truck there. And I'm like, fuck, you know, it's snowing. I'm like, what do I do? So I kind of sit in my truck and contemplate. I'm like, fuck it. Like there's so much public land back here. Like I will just see where his tracks go and I'll just go in another direction. And so, and it was actually a kid that I had met during archery season who lived over kind of by me. So I'm like, whatever, whatever direction he takes on the road, I'll just go the opposite direction. He did end up taking the direction that I wanted to go up, up higher to like glass these parks that I thought bulls would come out and maybe like feed on. So I was kind of upset about it. I'm like, fuck dude. Like I didn't get up early enough. God, today's going to be such a waste of time. Like, all right, I'll figure it out. So like, I'll just take the lower road. And like I'm four miles in on this lower road. And as soon as I come up, I'm like, Oh, there's some there's some elk tracks, and they were fresh. Like we're getting fresh snow, and they had just come across this little gated road. So I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna creep in on them and just follow them. Like if I see them, I see them. If I don't, I don't." And so they're they're coming down low. They came from down low, which is kind of open area. There's more feed. And there's private land down there, and they were going way up to the timber. So I just started slowly creeping. Through the timber on these two two elk tracks, and I thought they were cows at first because like they didn't seem to. I couldn't get like a definite like massive print. Like, they were all kind of snow covered in. They were crossing each other's tracks, and what I when I thought they were cows is because they were going through timber. And like what I learned when I was a kid is that like if you're tracking a whitetail, you can tell the size roughly of like the antlers in the buck because like the antlers will knock off the snow on the trees, and so you can kind of judge like. Oh, if it's a doe or a buck or whatever. And so they're going through this timber and I'm looking at the trees. And I'm like, there's no snow getting knocked off. Like all these trees still have snow on them. So I was like, yeah, maybe a small bull don't care. Or most likely a cow still don't care. Like I can kill either one. So I start creeping up and I come around this patch of uh, like, I don't know, probably about six foot tall, like pine trees. And I just slowly like took a step to the left and there's like an elk's ass. At this point, he's no more than 20 yards away from me. And it's like the wind's perfect and the snow is super quiet. So I like instantly, kind of like what Gabe was saying, like my heart just goes boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, oh, fuck, like it's about to happen. And so the head was down and he's kind of in some timber. And I thought like, okay, there's a cow. And then all of a sudden in front of him, I see uh, another elk and it picks its head up. And it's a nice six-point bull. So I'm like, fuck, yeah, let's go. Like, I'm about to kill this bull. And at that point, that bull is at, like, 27 yards. And so I still don't see my bull yet. Like, the one I ended up killing, I'm like, what is it? Like, he it was a big elk ass. Like, I was like, holy shit, it's a big animal. And then he picks his head up, and I go, holy shit. What is that? So, like, it's probably not the safest thing to do, but I always walk around like safety on, but around in the, in the chamber. And like when I'm walking through timber, like I don't have it slung over me. Like I'm carrying it just in the case that like you bump a bedded elk, like it'll stand up and hopefully you can get a shot. So I have my rifle in my hand and like, at this point they're both walking straight away from me. So there's, I mean, they're kind of quartering away, but they're walking straight away. So I did my breathing. I'm like, okay, relax. Like they have no idea you're here. They're walking by or walking away. And then I see the first bull take a step in the opening or walk across this opening at, like, 20, 25, 27, no more than 30 yards. And so then this, I'm like, oh, that second bull is going to follow him. So as soon as he gets to that, like, close to that opening, I just, like, raise my rifle slowly. He takes one step into that opening, and I let him have it with, like – I should have suppressed 300 Win Mag. I let him have it. And you just hear – when you shoot suppressed, like – no matter how close you are, you hear like a whap as if you hit it with like a, an arrow. So you just hear that big whap, and all of a sudden you can just instantly just see like blood spewing everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, I think on the initial impact, like he made that first jump and it was, there was like 15 feet span of blood. I was like, holy shit. He takes off, and I'm just staring there, like watching him, like reload real quick. And I look up, and that other bull's just standing there, has no idea what's going on and I'm just thinking to myself like man if I was a piece of shit I could have two stud bulls <laughs> right now so like I'm watching that other bull take off and that other bull uh, the one that I shot he takes off I see him like bounce off a tree and then just like fall down so I'm like fuck yeah and I come around the corner and as soon as the bull like sees me he's like oh fuck I know what's happening so he takes off but um, yeah like it kind of what you're we talking about too about Oh, like crazy experience of like bugling elk or like these crazy stocks. Like it really didn't happen that way. Like I just knew, okay, when we get in the timber, I need to take 10 steps, stop and really pick through this timber that you can only see maximum 40 yards and see if I can see like a hoof or an ass or, and I was just really patient as to how methodical I was going up through the timber. And I'm like, I'm climbing a mountain too. So like, It was good for me to like get my breath as i stopped and just like take a look but i was just really patient with like taking 10 steps and not a quick let me get 10 steps up but like walking slow stopping and then really picking apart everything around me because i think that's a big issue with a lot of guys is that they'll get too excited or get impatient and they'll start moving too quick and where you thought the elk would be they're 150 yards closer and you just busted them out so I knew walking through that stuff like I had to be really methodical with like how I'm gonna move around some trees and not make a lot of noise. And so yeah, shot that bull. Uh, first person I called was my girlfriend, and she was having such a shitty morning that like she got a flat tire. She got to the hunting spot. There's like 20 other people there, so I called her, and she's like, "What? You know, just like a shitty morning." And you know, I'm just like. <laughs> I just shot the biggest fucking bull I've ever seen in my entire life. And she's like, no way. So FaceTime her. And I, she, we, I, show her the bull and she's, you know, she starts crying and I'm fucking, I don't know. I'm beside myself. Cause I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? And I'm, I'm by myself. So I'm like, Oh fuck. Like I'm going to be here for a while. Cause like, I got to cut this thing up by myself. So made some phone calls and sent some pictures to some buddies. And, uh, Yeah, started a big fire. I brought back the uh, west or eastern Montana big fire. I just started breaking branches on these trees and like, because it was cold and it was starting to get windy, and then a snowstorm came through. So I was like, all right, it's not too cold where I'm worried about like like danger wise or my health, but I'm like, it's gonna get cold. My hands are gonna be so I just made this massive bonfire. I think I lit on probably half an acre of like broken trees. Like I just started breaking everything around me and uh, just slowly. Started picking away at that bowl. Like, I wish I would have had a camera set up when I was skinning them out and like trying to do it myself. Like, what a chore it is to cut a bowl up by yourself. It is probably one of the best and worst experiences you will ever do. To like, it's always nice to have somebody to hold a leg. I don't have anybody to hold a leg. So, like, I've got it on my shoulder at some point. I'm trying to push up and like it's heavy. And so then I'm like, oh, I got this great idea. Let me tie this 550 cord around its leg and then hopefully like tie it to another tree. I tie it to like a little tree that I can get to cause it's all the 550 I got I tie it. I'm like, okay, it's secure. The leg falls over, rips the tree out of the ground. I'm like, well, fuck me. Like it took me like, I would say, and I, I'm not the best. I mean, I, I know how to cut animals up, but it took me like four and a half hours of cutting and like putting them into bags and like making sure it was clean to get that bowl fully, where I felt like, okay, I'm doing this bull justice and taking enough of the meat. And I took, I mean, I even took rib meat off that fucker. So yeah, it was a, it was an experience. And then when I was cutting him up, as soon as I, I called some buddies and I was like, Hey, I need help. Like bring a fucking sled. Uh, my girlfriend drove from Billings all the way to my hunting spot, which is like four hours, five hours or whatever. So Like, it was cool to have that experience with her. Like, that was our first real big game animal together. I guess not together, but, like, real big pack out together. And then, uh, yeah, it was sick. It was a lot of fun. Even to this day, I, like, look down in my basement because, like, the taxidermist is like, I've never had anybody steal anything out of my shop, but I've also never had a caliber bull like this in my shop. And I don't want to take any chances, so... Like, just keep the horns of your house. So every time I come home, I like look downstairs and I'm like, fuck, dude, I, I did kill that thing. That's stupid. Like, <laughs> just double checking. Dude, it's weird. It's like, it's a weird experience to shoot something of like that caliber and just being like, how the fuck did some dumb idiot like me somehow figure out how to get close enough to one of these majestic animals and kill it? <laughs> I'm in the same boat.
1: Better lucky than good, man. Dude,
2: I'm telling you. And what was crazy about, like, I've seen guys shoot really old bulls, and you usually find, like, a broadhead or some arrows, or, like, it was shot in the neck with, like, a rifle or whatever. And I was going to ask you that, Gabe, if you had found any of that on your bull. But, like, my ivories on my bull were really, really worn down. So he was a – I mean, people think that he was, like, a 10-year-old bull. And, uh, like – I didn't find a single gouge from antlers or a broadhead in a shoulder. Like he was pristine. So it was just crazy to me to see a bull of that caliber to like hide from people and other predators for that long to get that big. Yeah, my bull didn't have anything stuck in him.
3: But when I first walked up to him, he had a bunch of uh, electric fence wire wrapped around his horns. (laughs) Everybody gives me shit like, oh, you tied that fucker up and shot him. I'm like, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, he's got
3: like, 20 yards of wire wrapped around his front so then off, wrapped on both ends. Did you leave it That's on?
2: Cool.
0: Yeah, it's still on there. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I was working out when you sent that picture, Tyler, and I immediately FaceTimed you. And you were in like – the winter wonderland and it looked fucking cold. And then you, sh- you panned <laughs> over and you showed it. I was like, Holy shit,
2: dude. Yeah. Cause the next week you were coming out, right? You were coming out. Yeah. And I was like, well, my elk season's done. So we're ready to <laughs> rock and roll dude. And then the oh, next dude. day we went back up to that same area. Cause I knew there was going to be a bunch of cows up there. And, uh, if you look at where, where I shot my bull and like on the map where I shot my bull and then where my girlfriend shot her cow, it's the same exact like line. Like they were they were just in that area that morning. I knew that if we got fresh snow, like they would be moving and I could find a track. But in this area too, like if it gets cold and heavy snow, like they just run off the mountain on a private and like it's not the area, there's no elk in it. Like I'm sure there's a couple of stragglers, but like all the big stuff comes off the mountain, goes down on a private, and those guys are like, no hunting, and so it's just, you get to see them from the truck, and you're like, wow, that would be cool to shoot, but it was just a perfect scenario of, like, just enough snow where they were like, oh, well, we'll still hang out of here, and so, yeah, it was just, it was cool. It was a really cool experience. That's a badass yeah. bull, man. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever shoot another bull like that. I mean, it's, you always think, like, it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's fucking – don't get me wrong. It's fucking awesome to shoot a bull, but it's like you think of shooting a bull that caliber after years of hunting elk, like massive, like, oh, I've shot like six or seven elk, and now I finally got my three fifty plus. It's like, dude, this is my – I'll say maybe fifth actual year hunting in Montana, and I got shot a bull – that may be my personal best forever. It's kind of cool, but it's also kind of sad because I'm like, damn, I'm not going to shoot a bigger bull than that. But it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like anything can happen because like I've seen bulls of that caliber in other areas that like I've almost killed, but it didn't pan out. So
1: it's just, it's just weird. Do you have it measured?
2: Yeah, so gross score, he was 350 and an eighth. I oh, think yeah. net it was like 342. But yeah, he has like 10 inch bases, like 10 and a quarter inch bases. And he holds seven inches. So he was an eight by seven. Uh, he holds seven inches of mass all the way up to like his sixth. God. So he just like, and his, 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 his uh, width, like from his widest point is like 56 inches. Like he's just super wide. And I mean, he's just a, a dope bull, but like, Cause like when you're looking at him, I'm like, damn, this is a big bull. But when you see a typical like three seventy inch bull, you think of like these long tines and like the thirds are massive. And I'm like, he doesn't really have that. But what he does have is like these, he's ma- mass is unreal. And so that's what helped him, just like massing out his width. Like I have a cool picture of me packing him out. We have a trekking pole that's fully extended, and that trekking pole is just holding on for dear life. Like it is not <laughs> doing anything
1: well he's yeah, bladed I mean. too which is badass dude it's
2: yeah it's i wish more people because like a lot of the pictures we took they, they, i don't know i just feel like a lot of pictures on bigger bulls like just don't do him justice like he's just he's a really unique i'm looking at him right now he's just a really unique fucking <laughs> cool bull like i don't know it's just it's hard to explain that experience of like like i said it's it's still a shock to this day that i go downstairs and i'm like holy fuck like i killed that thing I like of all, I probably put thirty plus days in the mountains hunting elk and deer this year, like if not more. And persistence paid off. Like I had a lot of days where like they were really shitty days. Either you're not hearing bugles, it's hot, and you're like this is a waste of fucking time. You start to get down. And then the the first day, I take my rifle for a walk to specifically hunt elk in an area where I know I can kill an elk. I kill one. And a really nice one. So it's just like, yeah, people see that like, oh, you're lucky. And I'm like, dude, you didn't see last year. I didn't kill one. You didn't see last year the 20 days I put on hiking 10 miles a day, plus the 10 days this year straight, plus every weekend chasing deer. And like, I don't know. I was like, fuck y'all. This is a cool bull and you can take pictures (laughs) and you can send it to your friends.
1: (laughs) Can't shoot them from the fucking couch, man.
2: True. Although I did shoot my first ever elk from my porch, so.
1: <laughs> I've killed probably more animals from the porch at our hunting cabin than I have anywhere else. Oh, dude, I love it.
2: It's the best pack out. Drive the truck, get the truck, put it in the back. Let's go. <laughs> Luke's just sitting there just chilling a
0: cup of coffee.
1: Yeah, dude, I, straight <laughs> up.
0: Probably, or a beer, or hungover.
1: Carter, <laughs> were you there? Or had you already left when Caleb smoked that doe with the muzzleloader from the porch?
0: I was sitting in a tree stand while it was raining. Oh, no. Not seeing any deer. And I hear a shot at the cabin. I was like, what the fuck? Because we hunted hard for three days every hunt. And I was hunting with Pete, who's the loudest motherfucker in the woods. (laughs) No deer. No deer. And then he smokes one from the porch.
1: That was a wild weekend. I don't think I've ever gotten skunked like that like that many people in that many stands skunked on that piece of property that was wild
0: that's how it goes man that's like what tyler's talking about like all the you don't see all the days that you put in where you don't see shit or going out even though you know like conditions may not be perfect but like i remember talking to gabe too when you were feeling pretty down and out man and uh i think you were chasing deer at that point and you know you pulled yourself out of that and ended up tagging a Really nice buck and shooting another, another – uh a nice antelope too, man, and people yep. don't see that part.
3: Yeah, I, the buck I shot this year, with my rifle, I actually <laughs> missed him with my bow. I was so down. I was like 30 yards away from him. He was feeding straight towards me, and he turned around and went to go bed down, and I seen where he was at, and I put a stock on him. And I didn't see a little fucking forkhorn sitting to the left of him, and he popped up, and they all blew out of there. And I was like, "Fuck, I'm never getting another chance again." And I didn't. I didn't see that buck. I didn't see any bucks for a while until the first of October. That's when we started seeing bucks again. And then I was fortunate enough to tag out opening day.
2: Yeah, there was. I mean, we had Hunt Lefty come out, like you, and Cole, and John we we saw a lot but like we saw a lot of does and stuff people don't realize like i don't know to shoot big animals you have to be able to have that discipline to like let the small three-point walk i don't know how many small like for me personally hunting this year after i shot we you know i shot that bull and my girlfriend shot a cow we had already shot an antelope i shot a bear I shot four deer with my bow because where I live, you can buy like river bottom tags. So I'm like, I don't need the meat. So I'm not willing to just put my bullet in a meat buck. Like hopefully he survives and becomes bigger next year. But you've got to be able to be like, eh, not big enough. You know, if, if you're looking for big mature animals, you can't shoot the first one that steps out. Oh, because man. the usually the first one that steps out is the dumb one. And the smart one who's the big old mature one is waiting like, uh, is he going to get shot? Are there people over there? And he gets shot and the buck goes, fuck that area. I'm out of here.
0: Mm-hmm. That's why I come out there and shoot your forkies. That's right, <laughs>
2: dude. Carter's out here. He's just like, dude, if you got any sort of nub, you're getting it.
0: <laughs> I, was, I was a danger, dangerous man that day.
2: <laughs> dude, no shit. You poor bastard. I ran you through that mountain. You're just sweating bullets. I'm like, oh, I'm going to kill him out here. And I'm going to have to explain to his pregnant wife that I had to bury him out (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. Montana.
0: I think the only words I said to you for a while was like, I wish I would have had one less bush light last night.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Sucking on his oxygen
0: booster the whole time. (laughs) That's what I needed, man. That's what I needed. We saw, frickin', we saw some fricking, we saw some fricking hammers on public, man, or on private. Dude, hammers.
2: we saw some pigs on private. And I'm like, and they're running too. So you're like, all we need is one doe who's hot to make a mistake and run at us. And, like, and that could be it, you know? Like, yeah, he's running these does and, like, looking around. And you can tell he's sniffing a couple. No, no, she's not ready. Like, pushing around. He started chasing this one doe, and she kind of looked like she was running towards us. And I was like, oh, shit's about to get fucking serious. And then she button-hooked and went way back into private. And I was like, fuck her, dude. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: the absolute worst worst thing about hunting out west is – just staring over across the line and they fucking uh, know, they, they feel the pressure, they know where they're safe and where they're not for sure. and they'll be lined the fuck up yeah. bedded. Like where we, where Carter and I hunt in Wyoming up at near a place, we're not going to disclose, but like there's a ridge <laughs> line that is uh, notorious for just like you want, he would drive by it a hundred times and you would have no idea, but you stop and you start glassing and you just start picking ears and horns and like half of it's public half of it's private and there'll be 50 does bedded on the public side and then on, on the private side there'll be a cluster of 10 bucks you know three of them shooters and you're just like fuck me and you're, they're just 50 yards over on the goddamn private side that's it's why you a- buy a
2: suppressor
0: <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs> now we're on the up and up now
1: yeah oh. now
2: <laughs> oh Oh,
1: 18 year old me would have fucking smoked that bitch. And <laughs> yeah. just, who's, this,
2: who's this? Wee shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: when man. you had, when you let John shoot your suppressed 300, that thing was like,
2: dude, second. it's fucking, I'm telling you, I'll never shoot on suppress ever again. Like just not even to be like, Oh, I have a suppressor, but like, I don't have to wear ear protection anymore. Uh, like if you do for some reason, like miss a shot, the deer won't like, they really have no idea or the deer elk like have no fucking clue that you shot. Like and it's, it's not quiet where you can go commit a crime in an urban area. Like it's still loud, <laughs> yeah. but like when you're out in, like they have no idea where it came from. So they're not like looking at you or um, like once you get that far out, like you're making like a three, four hundred yard shot. Like you literally like you can't hear it. So like nobody's perfect, so you make a bad shot or you don't hit it, and then just stand there. You're like, okay, cool. They have no idea what the fuck. Like, we can rack another round and shoot it again. But the biggest thing was like ear protection, because there's nothing I hated more than like carrying around fucking earbuds, because I'm already might I'm already deaf in my right ear, so I'm like, cool. Like I have one more ear to go until like I have to hold Carter's hand in Western Montana <laughs> and like <laughs> bring me through some shit. So. I was like, okay, cool. So I shot, like, I shot my rifle the first time, and I was like, oh, this is about to be a game changer. Like it's just, it's just sick.
3: I need to put a suppressor on my three hundred rum. One shot will blow <sighs> up the whole fucking canyon. <laughs> Especially with my muzzle brake on, that son of a bitch is loud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what rifle are you carrying this fall on your big extravaganza hunting trip, Luke?
1: Oh, shit. I don't even know, man. I, I'm planning on getting a Magnum. I haven't decided which one yet because I don't have one. Um, deer, Antelope, probably just the 6.5. Um, I mean, I'll bring the 270 like I always do for redundancy. I had to use it last year. Not that it worked out for me. Or two years ago, not that it worked out for me. But I will be installing all my zero stops this year, so I don't make that mistake again. Oof, uh, that. Dude. Dude. <laughs> I mean, I've told the story on the podcast two years ago, but, like, it was so bad. I fucking – I missed a really nice muley. Like, I did everything right. I was, like, e-scouted coming off this huge patch of public – or private, excuse me, like this river bottom in Wyoming that we – In a very used.
0: difficult deer area.
1: Very difficult. High pressure, buck only, you know. If you see anything fork, you're wanting to shoot it. And, uh, you know, I was – picked this canyon got the wind in my face was moving up like going saw this little spot and was like there's gonna be a buck in there for sure take two more steps bust them out throw the rifle up to go shoot one i made the mistake i heart rate jacked left the safety on but he gave me another shot dropped the safety went to shoot missed him and i thought it was just i just missed i was like fuck fast forward didn't get another shot at that area was blown out i went back but didn't get another shot at a deer i had an antelope tag too it was antelope found a doe it was real late in the in the hunt and i was like "Fuck it, i'm just gonna put this buck tag i guess it was either i was like i'm just gonna kill shoot this doe and i was in the prone missed like a bipod up everything was like what the fuck racked another round missed again and i like i don't know i got I don't miss twice, you know. I low crawl up. It goes like two fifty. I get to like one sixty five. She drops. I'm like, okay, good to go. And I stand up, and then she's just sitting straight up, staring at me. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm running out of rounds at this fucking point. <laughs> <laughs> and so I fucking rack another round, go to shoot her again, clean miss. And this was, like, offhand, standing up. I was, like, trying to head shoot her. And then I was, like, what is going on? And I take another step, and I had my last round. And she, like, she's sitting there, and, like, I, I'm, like, I must have hit her in the spine. And so I'm, like, trying to get as close as possible because I don't know what the hell's going on. And then she finally jumps up, and I go to shoot her and miss her again. And then she oh turns, God. and I see I hit her, like, just, like, right at the very top. Like dead like center line where you know where I was aiming, but just right at the top of her back. I probably just hit the meat across her back strap. It probably hit one vertebrae, stunned her, knocked her down, <clears throat> but didn't hit. And then she was bleeding, but she was like, and she just starts trotting off. She's like limping, walking all funny. I track her or follow her over onto the private. I'm like, I don't know, 400 meters on private. I call call Carter and I'm like, dude, I need a rifle and rounds. like. So he drives over to where I'm at, brings me another rifle, and then, like, she had taken off further. And at that point, I was like, I'm not going to get a fucking game violation. You know, like, it was on Sunday, so we couldn't call the game warden. Like, it was just a fucking nightmare. So Ugh. ended up backing out and leaving her there. It. And it was, like, get home and, like – and what's crazy is, like, I checked my that rifle when I got to camp the first day and, like, put three rounds on top of each other, two inches high at 100. like, And – getting in and out of the truck at some point, I must've hit my turret and just sent that bitch up. Cause I was like 12 inches high or eight inches high at a hundred. Fuck. And just like, you know, and like, yeah, you look at that two sixty five. you know, that first shot, I was fucking just clear over top. It was bad. It's just not, you were not shooting a good...
0: game, man. You were shooting <laughs> dropping rounds on Gabe's house. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was
1: just high, high angling them down to fucking Cheyenne. from. from <laughs> God, it was a fucking shit show, man. I went. I was just nauseous after that. <clears throat> it, was, it was a fucking. That season was rough. It was real rough. But a lot of next good season was. will be better. Dude, just being out. Last season, I didn't hunt at all. So like, you know, just being out is is like missing a whole season. You definitely appreciate just sitting in the tree stand, just going out on the mountain, just being able to glass, being able to just get out. I don't care if I kill anything next year. I mean, obviously, I want to, but I really just want to, you know, get out and be able to hunt.
3: We're putting some shit on the ground, dude.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's fucking go. <laughs> and <Antelope> let's <laughs> fucking clean. Yeah, manifest it.
1: We've got uh, HLE Antelope Camp, which is going to be a hell of a time. Me and Gabe are going to be chasing elk and mule deer. and It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, Tyler, if you don't draw that moose tag, you, you got to come down, man.
2: Dude, for sure. I've been putting in for Maine and New Hampshire for like 18 years and every year I just get an uh, email that just says like, um, thanks for your money. Go fuck yourself. And I was like, thanks. You're welcome. Have a good day. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take your $100 next year. And I was like, cool. Same shit for me Dude, here. it's my dream. It's my dream to go moose hunting. Like, I should just save all the money that I put on for moose tags. I probably have enough to just buy a tag in
0: alaska by now like yeah go hire an outfitter in
2: canada dude I, i'm going to
1: like 12 grand For an out there in, in uh canada i was i know that because at western uh hunting expo the mile high boys were sitting right next to a canadian outfitter and i was looking through all of his price book god damn 12 twelve thousand huh
0: that's that's Canadian dollars, though, dude. Divide that by two. So that's, that's loonies and toonies.
2: Fake money, dude.
1: It's all Monopoly money. All money is fake that's money, true. dude. That's right.
2: Holy shit! You can always wait, make maybe a more. firm handshake. Let's do this.
0: <laughs> that's right. Well, boys, we're cruising over an hour. Um, this has been sweet. This uh, this is good. This helps me keep my head in the game, and I already can't wait for. Next
2: season, man. I'm losing my mind out here right now. There's nothing going on in Montana. I'm just like fuck, dude. Give me something to do. You gotta buy buddy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna buy more chickens.
0: Hell yeah, that's the answer to everything, man.
1: For sure. Carter's um, going down to Florida. He's gonna kill some pigs. I'm gonna yeah, kill a gator. Right. Yeah, that'll be next sick. Month. Yeah. yeah, just got to kill something. It's been a minute.
3: <laughs> you can come kill some time and look for sheds with me.
1: I'm in, dude. <laughs> Caroline wants to decorate that cabin we bought with fucking sheds, so I got to get my ass to work, get up on the mountain. <laughs> okay.
2: You got a lot, a lot of miles ahead of you, Luke.
3: <laughs> I'll donate your first elk shed.
1: Hell yeah. What
0: a guy. What a guy. Well, sweet, boys. Uh, Gabe, if people want to see this giant bull and every other critter that you kill, where can they find you on Instagram, man? Uh,
3: My handle is underscore 307gabe underscore. Follow me, too.
2: That's (laughs) right. You fucking (laughs) ghost followers. Don't start liking shit and just, like, go about your day.
0: (laughs) Pay your respects to the man.
2: Son of a bitch. (laughs) Tyler, where can we find you, dude? Big Sky underscore tie Instagram. That's all. I, that's all I'm really on. I have a TikTok, but you can't post any cool hunting shit on TikTok because they fucking just take it down immediately. So you see all the pictures of the stuff that I I do on Instagram. Big Sky underscore Ty.
0: Hell yeah, Luke. Do you have a call to action for our listeners here?
1: Oh man. Go buy some shit. It's been slow. I pulled off all of our ads because we're like redoing the website and everything. And so we need to we need to clear some inventory. So please go uh if you want to support us, go drop some orders. We've got a ton of those uh Hoochie Daddy shorts that Tyler loves so much that I think Dude. all of us love actually. They're, They're bad sure. actually. Go go buy some of those. We've got plenty more. Uh, that's what happens when you drop shorts in the middle of fucking winter. But
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Just please go support us. Go buy some shit so we can clear out some of this inventory because we got a bunch of cool stuff coming uh, for our spring and for our summer drops. So
0: hell yeah, we appreciate all you listeners. If you guys want to drop us a review, five stars only. Drop us a review, helps us out. Go follow Hunt Lift Eat official. Go follow the Hunt Lift Eat podcast on Instagram, and we'll talk to you guys next week.